We are in week three of a series we've called You Asked For It, where we've given you opportunities to submit whatever burning question you have about the Bible, the Christian life, the Christian faith, and uh, we're gonna take a few of those questions over these weeks to address them here on Sunday mornings. You still have opportunity to submit the questions uh, in the box out in the foyer. Uh, there's some great questions out there. Some questions uh, I'm seeing more than once. This question I'm gonna address this morning is the question that I've received in this box more than any other, okay? And it's a question that a gentleman in our church last Sunday on his way out the door, he grabbed me and he said, Rusty, I haven't had a chance to put the, the question in the box, but I'd really like to hear a sermon addressing the question, can a person lose their salvation? I thought he was joking. And then I realized he was serious. And I said, did you look at your bulletin? And he looked at it, oh, next Sunday, can I lose my salvation? Perfect. So uh, this is good. So he asked the question, these people asked this question in kind of various ways, which makes me think that many of us have asked this question. Um, if you have knowledge, if you only have knowledge of the Bible and have been going to church forever, and you truly believe that Jesus was who he said he was, but you don't practice your faith, will you go to heaven? If so, is, is salvation a one-time event or an ongoing process? In other words, a, a young person uh, who makes a commitment at some point and falls away uh, from their faith. How do we understand that? And so uh, many people have been asking this question. It's a good question, and, and uh, it's an important question. In fact, as I was preparing this message this week, I thought, I think this is the most important sermon that I've preached to date. To date, okay. So um, I'm not gonna say it's the best sermon. I'm not gonna say that. But I think that of all the, the, the messages I've brought here in my six months, this might be the most important one so far. So all that to say, over these next 30 minutes, can I have your attention? I'm not gonna promise it's only gonna be 30 minutes. I would never do that, but I'm gonna do my best. But I, I, I hope that you'll give me your attention this morning, because this is a really important question. Can a person lose their salvation? Uh, now, for some of you, it, it's, it's not even, uh, maybe it's a confused, confusing question. So uh, to make that question intelligible, I need to back up a little bit and talk about salvation, because that's kind of a churchy word. That's a Bible-y word. And it's not a word you're going to hear it on the streets, but it's just uh, another way of saying being rescued. To be saved means to be rescued, to be delivered from some danger. And the Bible says, Jesus says, Paul says, everybody is in danger and everybody needs rescuing. Paul says this in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Everybody has sinned, at least every person I've met. Paul, uh, Paul says all have sinned and all face the penalty of that sin and the penalty of that is death. Physical death, spiritual separation from God. God is a holy God who has to, as, as a holy God, judge Sin, judge the lawbreaker. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter two. He says, you were dead in your sins. So he makes the connection between the sin and the penalty. You were dead in your sins in which you used to live. All of us lived 
uh, this way, at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following our desi- uh, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So we all are under, due to our sin, under the judgment or in danger of the judgment that God has to exact on our sin as a just God. Okay, we're all in that predicament, deserving of God's judgment. Paul goes on to say, though, and this is why the gospel means good news and not just news, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Even though we couldn't get our act together, Jesus lived the life we ought to have lived and he died the death we ought to have died and he paid the price for our sin. Ephesians 2, 4, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, which is, not of your, which is a gift from God, not by your own works. We receive salvation. We are rescued from the penalty of our sin, not by our works. It's our works that got us in that position but by receiving God's grace, God's forgiveness by, putting, by repenting of our sins and trusting in the work that Jesus has done for us. And in that moment, in that moment when we repent, in that moment when we trust, in that moment when we believe from the heart, the promise of God is that moment you are delivered. You are delivered from the penalty of sin. But you're not just... Salvation isn't just about avoiding H-E double hockey sticks, right? Can we say hell here? Are you allowed to say hell in church anymore? Are you? Okay, it's in the Bible, I suppose. We should talk about it, right? Okay. Salvation isn't just about being saved from hell, from the penalty of sin, but it's also about being delivered from the power of sin in our lives, which is to say it's, to, to change our lives, that we might become the people that God has created us to be, that God wants us to be. And so Paul continues, we've been saved not by our works, he says, but we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance that we might walk in them. So we have been delivered from the penalty of our sin so that we might in a growing way, find freedom from the power of sin in our lives. That's salvation. Um, Which leads us to this kind of important question. Well, what happens then if you profess Jesus as your Lord and you repent of your sins but you don't change? But you don't change. You don't start to do the good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. I mean, I think we've all, we've all wondered this question because we've, we've seen people, maybe people close to you, maybe a child or a sibling or a spouse, maybe someone who professed Jesus, maybe they prayed a prayer, maybe they were even baptized, but nothing changed. 
Their life didn't change. Or maybe they followed for a while, but then stuff happened. Kind of like when Jesus talks about the, the, the parable of the seed. You know, some seed was thrown on that soil and it was trampled underfoot and it never took root. And some seed fell on this soil and it took root, but then the thorns crowded it out and it died and those thorns were the worries and the cares of life. And, and so what happens if you follow, but then you fall away? And maybe even go so far as to deny Jesus Christ. How do we understand that? Can you be saved and then not be saved? Can you be forgiven and then unforgiven? And for us, how do I know that I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be a Christian? How do I know that I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and follow Jesus Christ? How do I know that tomorrow, there's not gonna be some calamity that comes into my life, the diagnosis of cancer or some, some hard thing that's gonna cause me to walk away, to deny, right? And some people, and maybe you were someone who was raised in a church that you were, you were taught that you had to confess every sin, even after you're a Christian, you had to confess every sin that you committed, otherwise you were gonna fall outside of God's grace. You had to keep renewing your salvation every time you sinned. And this, this thinking has led to this idea, which is not a biblical idea, that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell which I was kind of taught. And, but, it, but it flows from this thinking that, well, if you don't confess consciously a sin that you committed, then you remove yourself from God's grace and you lose your salvation. And suicide is the one sin to take your own life that by its very nature you can't confess once you've done it. Ergo, I lose my salvation if I take my own life. Okay. Oh, I wanna tell you, the Bible does not teach that at all, that concept of having to maintain your salvation updated every time that you sin through the act of repentance, although we ought to repent of the sins that we commit. So this is a relevant question for us, and and it's kind of an unsettling one, because we all read verses in the Bible that were like, whoa, 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 I'm not sure how to square this with that. You know, I was raised in one of those homes, and and I still, every Sunday, I preach God's grace. I preach salvation by God's grace alone, not by what we do, but what God has done for us. So not by our works are we made right with God. But then you read some of these passages, and you go, oh, whoa, whoa, how does it fit with that? Um, and, and so we, we avoid them, maybe. We pass them over a little bit. We don't want to do that. We want to listen to God's word. Listen to these verses. First Corinthians 15. One and two says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. I'm gonna read a few passages and I'm gonna stress a word. And you're smart people. You're gonna catch which word I stress. Okay, that's a hint. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If... You hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. Colossians 1, 22 to 23. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13 Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's interesting. If you disown him, he will disown you. And then he says, if you are faithless, he remains faithful. So which is it? They're obviously not saying the two opposite things. I think what what, what we're going to see, what he's saying is, even though you don't keep your promises, God keeps his promise. God will always keep his promise. But what is the promise of God? What is God faithful to? Mark 13, 13. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Did you catch the, word, the, the, the key word? Anybody? What was it? If. What do we do with the word if? Isn't that why we ask this question? This if word. It's a word of conditionality. Is that a word, conditionality? This will be true, this this being true is contingent on this. Salvation is contingent on continuing, he says, enduring. Maybe this confuses you a little bit. I know it, 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 it would kind of confuse me And I think that's because, now this is, I think, a thoroughly 20th century Western church sort of concept, okay? That many of us have been steeped in. But we tend to only think of salvation in the past tense. In the past tense. It's an event that happened, and that's the only way that we think about that. And it's true that the Bible speaks of salvation in the past tense, but the Bible speaks of salvation in the past tense, and the present tense, and the future tense. In every tense. So you have those scriptures that where it says, you, by, by grace through faith, you have been saved. Have been. Has happened. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. Paul says this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, present tense, it is the power of God. And then you have the the verse I read here, the words of Jesus from Mark 13, 13, when Jesus says, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Future tense. So here you see that salvation isn't just past tense, it's past, and it's present, and it's future. And it's important that we understand that we're not gonna be able to answer this question if we don't understand that salvation is always spoken of as past, present, future. In other words, salvation is a point and salvation is a process and salvation is a payoff at the end. 
It's, it's, it's a point, it, it's something that has happened, but it's a process, it's something that is happening, and it's a payoff, it's something that will happen. So there was a point, there was a point when you were freed from the penalty of your sin. You weren't kind of forgiven, you weren't kind of born into the family of God, because you can't kind of be born into a family. There was a point where you were freed from the penalty of, 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 of sin. But salvation is a process where you're freed from the power of sin in your life, leading to a payoff when you are finally free from the presence of sin. And this is the good part at the end of the Bible, right? When, when it says that there's coming a day upon the return of Jesus Christ where he, where he will establish his kingdom completely. And in that time and in that place, there will be no more sickness and there will be no more sorrow. There's not gonna be any death because there's no sin. We will be free totally, finally, eternally from the presence of sin. That's the payoff, that's the end of salvation Jesus was talking about. But in all of these texts, here's the truth we cannot avoid. Here's the truth we need to hear. Persevering in faith, and when I say persevering in faith, I'm not just talking about believing something happened in history. There was a guy named Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. With that persevering in faith, in faithful obedience to God is a requirement of salvation. That's what those verses mean. There's no way around that. Persevering in faith is a requirement of salvation. So if you ask me, what does the Bible have to say about eternal security, which eternal security is just the name for the, 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 the belief that you can't lose your salvation. You're eternally secure, which I believe in. I preach eternal security. Does the Bible teach eternal security? I would say yes, but no, not if you mean something else. If you mean by that, can a person pray a prayer? Can can, can a person confess Jesus with their mouth and even confess it in the baptismal tank and be secure no matter what they do from that point onwards? Can you be saved with a point if there's no process? And with one voice, the Bible says, no. No. A person is not secure in salvation no matter what they do. I've spoken with quite a few people over the years in conversation, often about their kids. For some of you, this is where this is maybe a... Um, a real personal issue. But, but in talking with people about their kids, you know, I'll, I'll th- th- this, is, this is what I often hear. Well, Johnny, yeah, you know what? He's not following the Lord right now. No, he, no, he doesn't go to church. No, he's, he's living in that relationship which the Bible says is wrong. Um, no, there's, there's really nothing about his life that, suggests that Jesus is Lord from his heart. Um, But Johnny, back when he was at Silver Bay Bible Camp, he was seven. Johnny prayed that prayer. And so I know, I know that in spite of all evidence to the contrary, it's okay. I know I don't have to worry. And... um, And I think, oh boy, I hope that's true. I hope that's true. But the Bible doesn't say that you pray a prayer 
and then you're secure no matter what you do. Right? There is reason to worry. I want to say pray. Pray, pray, pray. This is a, this idea of, of, of pointing back to a prayer, pointing back to something that has happened as evidence of salvation is a very 20th century Western thing. I remember my grandma who ministered, she's ministered in Brazil, she was in Russia. I remember her talking about how this whole idea was foreign to them in Russia. They asked the question not like, um, you know, when did you ask Jesus into your heart? They asked the question, is Jesus Lord of your life? Today, is Jesus Lord of your life? You young people up there, today, is Jesus Lord of your life? That's the question. I, th- there's this passage here in Galatians. I'm sorry that I'm presenting some of these unsettling passages, but I think very often, I know my propensities be like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm just gonna pretend I didn't read that. Um, <laughs> but we do that to our peril, okay? Galatians 5.19, Paul says, to, to the church in Galatia, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, like the acts of the flesh being the acts of the sinful nature, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Now he's not warning people outside the church. We're not talking about heathens out there. He's saying, I warn you, people in the church, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, which is another way of saying we'll not be saved. Okay? I warn you. And then he goes on to say, but all of those things are are evidence of things that suggest that You are not an heir of the kingdom, but, he goes on, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. All of that other stuff. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. with its passions and its desires. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I went golfing with a friend of mine who, uh, who had prayed that prayer in church as a teenager, I believe. He was following the Lord and he went off to Bible college even. And you know, stuff happened and he, he came back to where we were and uh, he, um, he was in a relationship with a, with a girl that he ought not to have been in. And he knew that, and he knew that. He knew the will of God on the matter. But he had been in this for a while. And um, I said, why don't we go golfing, Jason? And so we went golfing, and I think it was maybe around the tee box on the sixth hole, things got real serious. I don't think he was expecting it. <laughs> um, I said, Jason, brother, I'm, I'm worried for you. I'm worried that if you persist in this, you're going to go to hell. 
And again, I don't think he, that's what he thought I was doing when I invited him. Man, if I invite you out for golf, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this because I, no one is ever going to take me up on an offer to golf. But, little insider secret for pastors here. You know, when we invite you out for golf, it's because there's a hard conversation we want to have. And we figure by about the sixth hole, we've loosened up a little bit and it can get a little deeper. And so I said, I said, I said friend, I, I'm worried for you. If you're just pointing to something that happened in the past and, and, and you're finding your security in that prayer, but you're doing this and continuing to do this, I am worried for you that you may not be saved, that you might go to hell. Sorry for getting deep. In other words, we, I believe the Bible says, must persevere in faith if we are to be finally saved, if we are to inherit God's kingdom. Um, and, and you might go, okay, I thought, you, I thought you talked about eternal security. I thought, I thought you said you believed in that. So where's the, where is the security in that? It doesn't sound like security. But, but if you ask the question, can I lose my salvation? My answer is, is no, because, because the Bible has more to say. Here's the comforting part. The Bible, as we'll see, says that yes, we must persevere in faith in order to be saved, to show that we are saved, to show that we were saved. Here's the comforting part. God ensures that all who have put their saving faith in Jesus, all who from the heart have repented of their sins, from the heart confess Jesus as Lord, as he said in the video, from the heart. All who have done that will persevere in faith until the end because God will ensure it. Perseverance is necessary and God provides the perseverance. He doesn't just get you started by grace. He takes you right through by grace. And so you can have Paul saying in Romans verses eight, uh, sorry, chapter eight, verse 30. He says that those that God called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Which he's saying, if he calls you, he's gonna save you. He's gonna free you or he's gonna forgive you, free you from the penalty of your sin, justify you. And everybody he justifies, he's also gonna glorify. If there's the point, then there's gonna be that process that he will lead you through that, that brings you to the payoff at the end. And I think this is what, these, these two ideas, I think is what Paul, Paul has in mind in Ephesians chapter um, two, when he says this, therefore my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more so in my absence, can continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now you've read that verse, and if you stopped there, and my Bible doesn't have a period there, it has a comma, but if you stop there, then that's gonna, that's gonna unsettle you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which you could take to be an I have to continually earn it to keep it active. And that's why I'm afraid. I don't know if I'm gonna. And he's saying, no, 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 no. He's saying, 
not work for your salvation with fear and trembling, but, but out of awe and reverence for God, when your heart is filled with awe and reverence for God, you will, you will take the salvation that God has given you and you will work it out in the various areas of your life. Because he goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in a, in a, uh, in a uh, sorry, let me begin. Sometimes I talk faster than my mind goes. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So which is it? Do I work out my salvation or is God working it? And the answer Paul says is yes. Yes. God, to those that are his, are working in them according to his purpose. And that is reflected by the fact that that person is working out their salvation in their life out of out of awe and reverence for God. So when you are born into the family of God, at that point, at that point where there is repentance and, 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 and belief in Jesus Christ from the heart, at that point, you are born into the family of God. Right? You are born into the family. And the father never rejects his children. He never removes anybody from the family. He sustains his kids. He grows his kids. Though, once you are born into the family, you will grow in likeness, is what the Bible says. You will grow in likeness of the Father. And I, I have other verses that I'm running out of time, so I'm not gonna read them all. But we see in John chapter 10, Jesus talking about the fact that our salvation is secured by God the Father and God the Son and by God the Holy Spirit. But we see this in John chapter 10. When Jesus says in verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. We got two hands. And I and my father are one. You're in my hand. And I'm holding you, you're not holding my hand, I'm holding your hand, and my hand's in the Father's hand, and there's two hands wrapped tightly around your hand, and nothing is gonna snatch you once you're in my hand, nothing. Because we're not holding his hand, he is holding us. So our salvation, Jesus says, is secured forever by God the Father and by God the Son, and also by God the Holy Spirit we see in Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14, shows that salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the royal seal, the divine seal that says this belongs to me, boom. That seal is the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, who are God's possession. So all those who believed in the gospel have been marked with a seal, have been given the presence of the Holy Spirit as a deposit which guarantees that they belong to God. Not that God belongs to us, 
Because it didn't say that, it, that, that that's a deposit that guarantees that God is my possession. Because if I possess God, then I can dispossess God. But he's saying we are God's possession. We are God's possession. So the question isn't, can we lose our salvation, but can God lose us? Can God lose us? And the answer emphatically is no. No, God will lose none of his own. Can you lose your salvation? No, no. But, but, that's, but that's not the best question. It's a good question. But the question is, are you saved? Because professing salvation is different than possessing salvation. Professing salvation is different than possessing salvation. Jesus talks about this, Matthew chapter seven. You know, he says there's, there's gonna be a day. Um, people are gonna come before me. And he says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, not everybody that professed with their lips, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? In fact, these were really gifted people, some of them, and God actually used them to do miracles. I mean, there are people that preach the gospel and people are convicted of heart by the the fact that God uses them and they do not have a repentant heart themselves. And, And there are people that one day are gonna come before Jesus and Jesus is gonna say, I, I, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Not I knew you and then at some point something happened and, and I unfriended you. Or you unfriended me and then I didn't know you anymore. So I knew you for a time and then I didn't know you. He says, I never knew you. Professing salvation is different than possessing it because there are some people that, that, that are professing but are not possessing. They treat salvation as, as maybe just, they, they point to that prayer or they point to that moment and all their security rests in that and, and to them that is like some sort of fire insurance policy that they walk through life with. Right? And they think that if they can pray a prayer, maybe you know get wet, in the baptismal tank, go to church three out of every four Sundays, because four out of every four is a little much, don't you think? Right, don't you think three out of, everybody needs a break. Go to church three out of four Sundays, um, and, and then I can go and I, I can just, I can, I can live any way I like, but I can point to that, but I can point to the prayer, and I can point to being in church, and I can point to baptism, um, the Bible says that's a sure sign that you haven't experienced the transforming grace of Jesus Christ. That you have not felt or at least responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of your need for God and your need to make him Lord of your life. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 6. Because there were people even back then going, hey, this is easy, this whole grace thing. You mean I can say a prayer and I can be forgiven and then I can just do whatever I want? Sweet deal. 
I mean, Christianity is better than those other religions. You actually have to pray so many times a day and give so much and do all of this to make the cut. All I gotta do is like, believe? Sweet. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. Romans 6.15, what then? Shall, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, as all are or used to be, you have come to obey from your heart. We keep hearing this word heart coming up over and over again. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. What he's saying is when, when you were actually saved, when you actually believed in your heart, you were ch- the, the, the process of change began. It began. Real repentance produces real fruit. The presence of the Holy Spirit produces spiritual fruit. There is no such thing as an unfruitful Christian. There are such things as false Christians and there are such things as fruitful Christians. If your salvation has never changed you, your salvation has never changed you. Can I say that again? Are you awake? Am I past 30 minutes? Is anybody keeping track? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Somebody's keeping track. The only one who was brave enough to admit it. Let's wrap this up. Did you hear that? If your salvation has never changed you, your salvation has never saved you. Because if there is a point, there will be a process. And if there ain't any process, there wasn't a point. So the question that we we need to ask is, is, isn't just can I lose my salvation, but am I saved right now? Not just what, uh, just, just ask what happened back then, but what's happening? What's happening? What is Jesus doing in my life right now? How is he changing me? What is this fruit that's being produced in me? This morning, I hope that some of you, as, as you have heard this, it, it's, it brings some peace to you. The peace that comes when you know that if you've been saved, if you've been rescued from your sin because you have repented and confessed Jesus from the heart, then God will keep you and God will protect you because you will. You are in a process of being changed. We're not perfect, but we're in a process of being changed, and I don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow and finding myself not able to keep going. But for some of you, you may hear this this morning, and and you need to be saved for the first time. I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of you in this room. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you young people, you've just been kind of riding off mom and dad's coattails. And you're at that point where you, you, you really look at your heart and you go, you know what, I, I haven't repented, I haven't confessed Jesus as my Lord from my heart. And my life doesn't reflect that I love God with all my heart, 
all my mind, with all my strength. And so maybe this morning, there are some here who have, um, upon hearing this, realized there's, there's a false sense of security. You're, you're pointing to something that has happened, but there's nothing happening. You're pointing back to a prayer that didn't change you. Maybe I've been talking and, and, and you've been assessing yourself and you've come to that conviction. And if you are feeling, if you are feeling that conviction this morning, this afternoon, if you are feeling the conviction in your heart that you haven't truly repented from your heart, that you haven't confessed Jesus as your Lord from your heart, that you've been giving lip service but you haven't been giving life, ser- life service, that you've kind of just been going through the motions, then you need to respond to that conviction today because that's the call of God. That's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict, to show our need of God, our need of being rescued, our need of salvation. So if that's you, then respond to that. Respond to that. And today can be that point. Today can be that point which begins the process, which ends with the payoff. And so I want you to close your eyes, all of you, and bow your head, and I want to pray. And I invite you, if, that's, if I've been speaking and, and maybe the, the Lord has brought conviction into your life that you just need to be saved, that your security has been false security, then I invite you to pray this prayer from your heart. And it's not a magic prayer. There's no magic words that save us. Jesus saves us when from the heart we repent of our sins and confess him as Lord and give ourselves over to him. And if that's you, then I, I invite you to join me in this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I've been living for myself and I haven't been living for you. Right now, I repent of my sins. I repent that I have not lived as I ought and I have not loved you as I ought. And here right now, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you control. Save me. I'm all yours. Help me to live for you from this point forward. Now, I don't normally do this, but if, keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, you know, the Bible says there's power, like you need to confess Jesus among men. Um, with everybody keeping their eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, I just want you to acknowledge that. Just put up your hand, not a finger, just, just put your hand up in the air. Nobody else can see, God sees. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have done all the work for us. There's this great salvation that's available to us. All we have to do is receive it through repentance and faith 
And it's, you know what, it's, it's, it's easy to receive and it's not necessarily easy to always live out, but I thank you, Father, that, that once we are yours, we are your possession, once you have placed your Holy Spirit as a deposit in us, you guarantee the outcome. Or that you begin a process and you carry out a process in our life that leads towards this great payoff and that we can have this security that we belong to you and that we will always belong to you. We will receive the reward of our faith. Father, for those that have put their faith in Jesus now for the very first time, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, um, begin that process now in them as you promised you would do. Because though we are faithless, you are faithful and you cannot disown yourself. So, Father, begin that process in in lives today, Father, that ends um, on that great day when we inherit your kingdom. Father, just help us, each and every one of us, as we leave here this morning, to work out our salvation because you are the one working in us according to your good purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.